0: The views and opinions expressed by Rob Black and his guests are not necessarily those of KDOW or its management owners or advertisers and should not be construed as legal tax or investment advice. Always consult with the appropriate advisor before making any investment or financial planning decision.
1: Welcome in, Rob Black and your money. I'm Rob Black. i like to dedicate some time on a regular basis to talk about real estate. Look, when it comes to what I do, I talk about insurance. I talk about investments. I talk about the economy. I talk about a little bit about politics. I'm really talking about technology and getting into retirement. So, on occasion, I I break down and and start talking about bonds and fixed income. And, like most annuities, are really, really bad. And they're done and they're sold by people who are just trying to get a commission. And they don't even know that. That's the beauty of it. Sometimes they're sold by people who um, their granddaddy taught them how to do it, kind of thing. So, annuities are typically bad. In my opinion, I pulled up. I like talking about real estate. I'm bringing Tony Mendez from Bay Area Loan Source morning to typically talk a little real estate with me. And sometimes we'll talk about how did you hear the one this week about the attorneys flying in from Dallas and working in San Francisco for three or four days and staying in luxury hotel. And that's actually not a joke. That was actually a real story last year that we saw attorneys will live in a cheaper city, fly in, charge San Francisco rates and fly out. That's awesome. That's that's incredible. That's a real estate trend. So I pulled up some stories that I did from 2008, 10 years ago. And one of the stories that I, I had done was the housing bubble doesn't burst everywhere. And it talked about how in 2006, 2007, 2008, the housing market really went through a really tough skid. Um, and there was a massive recession and people lost jobs. And the, the article was pretty interesting. In the article, it talked about how some markets have flown under the radar and, you know, uh, the hot spots, you know, we already knew them. Where the sexy spots, it wasn't in Arizona, Southern California, Florida, Nevada, because during a recession, people got panicked. And that's where jobs were coming out. But you kind of learned that population growth is a driver of real estate, kind of learned that jobs are a driver of real estate. So when jobs leave Detroit, Cleveland, it creates... Not a good thing. There's a job producing Salt Lake City corridor going on right now. And this was 10 years ago. So I like going back in time a little bit, taking take a look at things. Um, Dallas was a very hot market 10 years ago. Very hot market. You know why? Jobs. Texas is a real state. I know a lot of people in California want to say it's not because they're gun-toting, uh, Christian-believing, right-wing, politically-speaking Vote Republican. But they're a real state. And you have to acknowledge that the real states, the big states, they have jobs, right? Um, so what was interesting about this is Seattle was coming up on the list at that point in time. But there were some top markets that had low risk, like Bethesda, Maryland. You don't think of Bethesda, Maryland, as like hot and sexy, but it's it's just outside of D.C. It's nice. And you're always going to have jobs, right? So I guess where I'm trying to get at with that. Is that 10 years ago people were worried. Now, not so much. So, we, we have jobs that are positive in the United States. Employment numbers are super important. Tony Mendez, Bay Area, loansource.com. Um, another story that I did 10 years ago was pretty interesting. It was tied towards the smartest cities in America. Mm-hmm. And in the smartest cities in America, with the highest PhDs in situations like that, bachelor's degree or higher, uh, Seattle. Had you invested in Seattle 10 years ago, you would have done very, very well. But also on that list are are more. It's it's the the smartest city in America, Seattle 10 years ago, then San Francisco, then Raleigh, then Washington, then Austin. All
2: of them have done very, very well. Maybe a lot of towns that have good colleges and that promotes good housing, good home prices. Atlanta, Boston, San Diego, um, all smartest cities. So and the, the lists are changing a, a little bit. Um, sure. There's some of the, there was a, a, a great little report that came out of realtor.com not too long ago about the top 10 thriving suburbs or most appreciating suburbs in the United States. Um, and they're all, there's like, they're out of the cities like Dallas and, um, and like even out of like Sacramento and then there's just little towns like Raleigh there's a little place called Apex and it was number 1 on the list just outside of Raleigh I know it yeah and so you have these little towns that people are looking at an hour away from these large cities these large populations and jobs and hospitals and schools that are doing very, very well. Um, But you mentioned Detroit. Detroit was the number one city in the United States, to, uh, as far as the amount of appreciation that they've recovered since the Great um, Recession. San Jose was on the list as well. I think they came in number two. A lot of the cities were in Florida and California. I think you'll find uh, that very interesting. But we've gone through a lot of big change. Uh, I kind of I've talked about it as kind of a redistribution of wealth, but a redistribution of of population too, um, it was a reshuffling. And Barry went through that as well. A lot of people were able to sell their homes and or buy in areas that they weren't able to buy. So a lot, one of the reasons why I think we won't have that kind of cascading effect we did back in 2008, uh, leading up to 2010, 11 is because a lot of people did do that reshuffling, and they found themselves in the places that they wanted to. It's a little harder now, and that's, again, another reason why home prices keep going up, because people still want those desirable areas. Are we going to have that same kind of um, cleansing, so to speak? I don't don't think so. I think people are pretty well situated. They're locked in at very low rates. Uh, most of them are fixed. I think we're down to like 1.2 percent of the uh, people who have gotten a loan in the last five years used an ARM, so people aren't risking themselves as far as that That's is concerned. That's a pretty low number. It's a really low number. Right? I mean, purchases right now are down in, in the one two percent as far as ARM usage. We expect that to go a little higher as rates go higher because ARMs usually have uh, you know three quarters to a, a one point lower in rate, which is a lot of money if you're doing a five six seven hundred thousand dollar loan. So. Um, I mean, do you honestly think that we could see that kind of, um, um, I don't know, changing hands of, of houses if people are so locked in, not only in the area that they want to be in, but with the, the kind of loan that they got? Uh, yeah, I think everyone's case is different. Painting it with is. a broad brush is a little bit silly at
1: this point in time. Um, I continue to see people, you know, make better financial decisions over time. Um, as we get older, they learn from the past. Yeah, yeah. So as I turned when I was in twenties, I didn't see a lot of people do things, and then thirties you start seeing some more, and you get see friends get married and divorced, and people have kids, and like one of the things that I've seen recently is uh they were a successful couple ten years ago, you know they were both making good salaries, and just slowly but surely, you know, uh, the salaries of a level two tech technician. Uh, Help desk guy is different than it was 10 years ago. And a lot of stuff is going overseas. And I'm just seeing a lot more struggle, but a lot of people getting a lot wiser. Um, You know, I saw News Anchor cash in a $2 million gain in a home and move to Scottsdale. And now I'm seeing Scottsdale's doing great. So something tells me that guy knows how to move his chips on the table and uh, continue to make money or or use his leverage intelligently. But I'm seeing seeing a lot. So and it's uh, all people have different kind of. Uh, real estate and stories and would i ever sell a real estate
2: i'm not getting you mean your bay area real estate based on my
1: mortgage and my my interest rate
2: i think one of the stories that we're seeing lately is I'm i'm gonna sell it if i need food in my belly yeah, that too. And um, But we're getting more calls about uh, kind of an interesting scenario where people are sitting on too much equity. And it sounds kind of silly, but... Oh, no. They're, that's they're that's sitting a trillion-dollar tidal wave. Yeah, they're sitting on too much equity. A lot of these people are investors. They're looking at you know a rate of return on rents. Rents are going to cap out eventually at some point, And they're going to look at that million dollars or even in $500,000 of equity they have there. And why are they not spreading that out somewhere else where they get a better rate of return? So, we're seeing more of that.
1: It's Tony Mendez. You can find him at com. It's com. You can find me at RobBlackShow.com But Tony does my mortgages. He did one He's basically done one for me every two or three years it seems. For the last 15 years.
0: Catch Rob Black and Rob Black and Your Money live on the Bay Area Airwaves weekday mornings from 7 to 9
1: on AM 1220 KDOW and streaming live on the KDOW radio app or KDOW.biz. And- night
0: replay
1: at seven i'm rob black talking money investing and more thanks for listening to the show i do appreciate it i get off track often i try to get social commentary thrown in oh i try to share a little bit about myself to give you some perspective on who you're getting advice from i was talking to someone recently who went out of his way to compare him to me himself to me i'm like you don't know me He's like, yeah, I got into business, and I'm, I'm a lot like you. I'm like, you have, like, I'm not doing this for the money. I'm doing this for therapeutic reasons, and I'm doing this because I do believe if you do a good job and good karma, things come back to you. So I hate it when people try to associate themselves with me.
0: That's right, Jack.
1: I watched that John McCain video on HBO or show, For Whom the Bell Tolls. Pretty gripping stuff for a man battling stage four cancer. We all die. Right? He left a wife and three children for a younger wife. His first wife was young. His second wife was young. And I was just like, is this too soon? They're doing a video about him being like this guy. And then they said the the most amazing thing. You can't help who you fall in love with. And there's something really beautiful about that. Even when you're dying of brain cancer... Even when you look back at your life, life is pretty sweet. Can't help who you fall in love with. And it puts a lot of stress to be in a marriage when you're in a, a box in prison camp for five and a half years. I can't imagine, you know, a, a prison camp with, with you know war criminals. I can't imagine, you know, the U.S. how, how incarceration hurts our society of locking people away for such long, long periods of time from society. And again, you study history, you study like uh, punishment. We used to cut off people's heads, not we, but the French. And I think they were onto to something. Let's make a public spectacle out of it. Maybe they won't commit crime, but we don't have to lock them up because that ain't an album. So the history of public incarceration, it, it, it's a challenge in society. And, you know, justice and what is justice and what's not. Uh, believe it or not, you could invest in a company that does prisons. And I'm not going to tell you no, because I I don't see our society fixing this issue anytime soon, do you? Lock them up. As the president would say, get the animals off the street. Really? Did he say that? He kind of did. not very compassionate. And again, that brings up questions like, As a society, should we be compassionate? You know, you look at a corporation like a Walmart or Facebook as a corporation, should they be compassionate? And because the IRS treats corporations as individuals, as human beings, I think they should be. I think there's something to be said for it. Oh, that's out there. So yeah, you could invest in a prison company, a company that is for profit. And that brings up some questions. Right, it's a lot like um, the questions that are brought up with arms dealers who go to war zones and sell weapons. You know, they can sell the weapons to both sides; they win. They can prolong uh, a skirmish for longer periods of times, and their you know their kids can go to college. Uh, there's a lot going on there, right? Uh, to say the least. So you can go out and invest in like a correction corp. Um, big old prison company. You can go out and invest in Boeing, who makes missiles. You can go out and invest in Whole Foods, who sold themselves to Amazon. And then you could go, well, I liked Whole Foods at one point in time because they were all about the the better food. And then you could go, I don't really like Amazon, so should you sell it? Yeah, like there are decisions to be made. Amazon's now offering Whole Foods discounts to Prime members in 12 states. woo but when you go in there, it's not the same old Whole Foods that it used to be. Citigroup um, is in the news. And in 2018, one of the very first negative stories that we saw on the market was one we didn't see coming. We kind of saw the whole Trump and Kim Jong-un and North Korea, South Korea and summits and those summits. We kind of saw that one coming, Right. The thing we haven't seen coming, and it was the first story in 2018 that was a bit of a surprise, and we should have seen it coming because it's it's just a revisitation of the same old, same old, is the pigs got us in trouble. I know you're saying, don't pull a Roseanne. Don't say anything negative about women. Don't compare a woman to a pig. No, no, I'm talking about Portugal, Italy, Ireland, Greece, and Spain. And they all have debt issues, of which the only reason I want you to know that is because the U.S. has debt issues. So you look at a country like Italy, who's got three trillion dollars, two trillion dollars in debt, and they need to refinance two. To, they probably have two to three trillion. They need to refinance hundred billion of it every couple of years. Debt comes due, right? And last time they borrowed money, interest rates were a lot lower, and now they're borrowing money, interest rates are a lot higher. So as a country, they're going to have to decide: we're paying a lot more money to borrow. Should we have prisoners in jail for life? Should we have free health care? Or should we have no health care? Should we tax corporations more? Should we tax individuals more? If we ca- tax corporations, they're a lot like you. Because Rob said that they're tied towards, you know, they're called humans by the IRS. If the tax world thinks they're humans, think of you. Let's say, you know, you earned $100,000 this year. But the cost of your nanny goes up 10% every year, 5% every year. Are you eventually going to find a cheaper nanny? Cut her hours or fire her and do it yourself. Same thing with corporations. As their costs go up, what do you expect them to do? When Walmart has to pay someone who stocks a shelf you know, $8 an hour, it's a lot easier than doing it at 12 or doing it at 15 So I live in a world of compromise, and I don't live in a world that's crystal clear. And the first big story of 2018 that kind of was a surprise, and it wasn't, because we went through this with Greece. I got suspended. I got suspended on radio because I made a, a joke in poor taste. <laughs> I know you're saying, how many times have you been suspended? Behave yourself. At least three fewer than ten. And sometimes it's been four days. Sometimes it's been four week. But um, we've seen Greece and their economy struggle. Now we're seeing Italy and their economy struggle. Politically speaking, Everyone wants to have the answer, because they'll get elected, and then they'll corrupt the system. It's not an economic disaster yet, but it is something that kind of took us by surprise and reminded us, yeah, when you have to refinance a lot of money, that little interest rate does mean something. Righto, McNaito? Anyhow, and anyway, I'm Roberto Negro, a.k.a. Robert Black. You can find me online at Rob Black Show, Twitter Rob Black Show, YouTube Rob Black Show. If there's a seminar coming up, there always is. You can go to RobBlackShow.com, hit the event page, and then use code RADIO25 to get in for free if you haven't been to a seminar before. I'd love to see you there. Want the podcast with music? Find the link to the other version of the podcast by going to Rob Black's Twitter. His handle is at Rob Black Show. Listen to Rob Black and Your Money weekday mornings 7 to 9 on AM 1220 KDOW. Think of me as the great big grizzly bear of financial love. I know you're saying that doesn't even make sense. I was thinking today about how fortunate and how happy I am, all things considered, with where my life ended up, and I'm pretty pleased. Hasn't been perfect. It's had some unnecessary drama and some bad decisions. It had a dad who was an alcoholic, who didn't always connect with the world due to his being an orphan and going through military in Vietnam. It was less than ideal. Um, But I did have everything I ever needed. (laughs) Um, I had toys, I had clothes, I had food. I just didn't have a dad who was terribly cognizant of of that kids need time off, and they need downtime, and they need love, and they need support. You don't have to be prepping your kid at age thirteen to get ahead in life. You don't have to be prepping him, you know, every single minute, every single day. Uh, so I'm cognizant of that, and you know, I'm very cognizant of you know what I do. Hopefully, helps people get to retirement, whether I'm helping the firefighter or whether I'm hoping helping the single parent. So on occasion, I do want to talk about parenting and why some of us are doing this and what it may mean to you and what it may not. Um, I want to get you to retirement. When you see the average Social security check is like $1,400 a month, it's not enough and, you know, my goal is to get us to the point of, of like, having enough and taking our foot off the accelerator. So one area that I, I think I don't talk enough about, but I should, is marriage and some of these life decisions that we make. Like I said, I had a good life, and I'm very grateful. So don't in any way, th- shape, or form think that I'm being negative, because I'm not. A couple things is I have had a divorce. And it's a crazy moment when you do that because it's just like a crazy moment when you get married. A friend of mine just got married in Chicago over the weekend. Beautiful young woman and beautiful young man. And, um, you know, I got to be honest with you. Take a look at some Facebook pictures. I'm like, I'm happy for them, but... For decades, we've been told half of all marriages in divorce. And even though the statement is no longer true since the rate of the U.S. Um, has been declining in divorce, what's causing all these breakups? And I can tell you one thing is it's finances. And it's a large part of it. I can tell you some people get married for the wrong financial reasons. Instead of finding someone you're compatible with, someone you love, someone you want to establish a friendship and a life with, someone you want to co-parent with. A lot of times people are like, I'm 35 and getting older. In my 30s, I had created a successful business. And I'd done pretty damn well at it. But I wasn't married. And I didn't have kids. And I met a beautiful woman who also, not also, but she was an AA. I wasn't an AA, but so she had that alcoholic background that my dad had. And early on, there was a couple moments where I was like, this isn't good. I, I, I like the highs were high, and the lows were frustratingly stupid. And I, I don't deal with frustratingly stupid terribly well. So I was d- going to face a divorce even before I got married because I married the wrong person, and I, I knew there was fl- flags already. So in the long run, she cheated on me because, not because. That's an unfair statement. She cheated on me and got caught. She left an email account open on a computer that was left powered up on a screen that had some pretty damning evidence if you just walked right by it. And then that triggered in me trust issues because as a kid, when you have an alcoholic dad, you just don't trust his emotions and you don't trust yourself to not mess up. So my advice to you when it comes to marriage is financial advice, is choose your partner carefully. I had half a business that she was entitled to, well, depending on how long you're married, half of. And in California, if you're married for 10 years, you have a whole personal alimony for life, potentially. I wasn't married 10 years. I wasn't married eight years. I wasn't married six years. I wasn't married four years. I wasn't married two years. I was married one year. And when you go through that and you're like did she just really hit on a guy her dad's age or did a guy her dad yeah, that happened. And suddenly you start like doubting yourself and you start going crazy. And crazy's not good when dealing with finances. My best advice is when you do divorce, at some moment of clarity of separation or that whole process, you know, you get separated for six months in the state of California for a reason. So it gives you time to, to get some clarity on, on your life, on your partner's life, and on your children's life. So the first thing I want to do if, if you're going to be getting a divorce or separation is, is consider both parties. You once loved love this person. And, you know, you, you don't want to put them in a situation where they have nothing or they... Walk away with less than they came in with, or they walk away with too much more than they came in with, because then emotions are going to start getting crazy on all parties. One piece of advice is don't heed unsolicited advice. You're going to have co workers who come up to you, you're going to have ex girlfriends, or friends, or buddies, or pals, wine drinking buddies that are going to give you advice like, take him to the court, take him to the cleaners. I just knew that about him. You deserve this. You gave him the best year of your life. You're going to get bad advice from your friends. Don't take it. Stop telling everyone your business when you're going through a separation or a divorce. This is a moment of reflection. It is not a moment of sharing. Stop babbling to everyone about how awful your life is or telling the grocery clerk too much information, financial or otherwise. Try to leave the advice to professionals. A good lawyer or a good mediator, which is what I would recommend, um, uh, Paula Lahan, for instance, in San Francisco. A good mediator is gonna be easily twenty percent the cost of a good attorney. And in California you can't win a divorce. You don't win. Like it doesn't happen that way. There's no point in winning. It's you are separated. You're uh you don't win. And part of you wants to win. You want to be the one who was right. You want to be the one who had that childhood dream of of marriage that was ruined by the other person, not you. So this is a good time to let professionals be professionals, the mediators or the attorneys. This is a good time during the separation to start focusing on things like child visitations and managing joint debts and finances to come up. If you have a house right now, that's a joint debt very likely. When you separate, it's either going to need to be sold or that debt's going to have to be taken over by one person. That's a big one. One thing you want to do when you start the whole separation process is start closing joint accounts, but do it in front of the other person with their knowledge. You say something along the lines of, Hey, Cindy, or Hey, Matt, or Hey, John. I need to close this checking account so that we don't get into a situation where one of us goes to Vegas and blows all of our money. Because we've been married for a long time, and it's been a long time since you've been in Vegas. And what happens in Vegas, well, it gets kind of crazy, right? So when you go through that separation, you want to start financially focusing on you know, making sure you don't hurt each other. But at the same time, when you start opening separate checking accounts, you got to come up with some deals. Like, where does the paycheck go to? Do I get half? Do you get half? But if you're going to be taking care of the kids, do you get 70%? I get 30%. You don't know. You want to keep track of your income and expenses. You want to create a budget if you've never done it before. Update your records, your utility bills, your health insurance, your property titles, your tax records, your 401k, your 403b, your 457. Your spouse is no longer the person who's going to get your money if you die. Get your own health care insurance in case one walks away with it. They could drop you. Don't worry about changing your name. You'll figure that out. Get savvy with your money and start with a budget and start with some plans. Take it one day at a time. Divorce is something that will make you crazy. I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial. Don't forget, there's another hour of today's show to listen to. Find it now at KDOW.biz or on the KDOW radio app. I would be crushed if I didn't automate my bills. We were last leaving off talking about home inspections and how much I love them because I'm not a man's man. I don't know when a roof needs to be replaced. To me, a roof looks like a roof. And yet my neighbor could look at it and he goes, because he does home inspections, he can look at it and go, well, Rob, it looks like it's got about five years left on it. I'm like, how do you know that? And I'm like, I don't know anything. So I, I like the home inspection reports, and I'll probably get a home inspection report every 10 years on the house because... When the hot water heater goes, I'd rather know about it a year in advance than come home from vacation and find out there's hot water everywhere. Um, Same thing with escrow. You know, um, I got the new place, the second home, and my taxes that I have to pay the state are escrowed, my property taxes. Um, My money that goes to the insurance company for homeowners insurance is escrowed. I love having all that automated. How often do you find people like me that would prefer everything automated, don't have to think about it, versus no let's keep the mortgage payment as low as possible and I'll pay my taxes every year twice a year
2: on property taxes yeah that it, would drive me crazy it's 50-50 that's really? the best way I can say it yeah 50-50 some some older people are old school and they like to do it on their own some older people like the convenience and don't want to mess with it I, so it, it and it that's same thing for younger people it's 50-50 i want it's not an issue um escrows are kind of boring it's not it, it's not mandatory unless right. you are Putting less than twenty percent down, yeah. uh, in some cases and yet, it's ten percent down. Yet it's um, important for me. Is that um, interesting? Well, it's it's it is an extra thing that you would have to do. Right. I, mean, I don't think you can automate paying your taxes if you don't have the escrow. So I think that if you do like uh-huh. everything automated, that's the way you go. The problem we run into most. Uh, most of the time, is that you have to pre-fund that account. Let's say that you eh, own a house right now, you don't, right. you're not escrow, and then you want to start an escrow account, you have to pre-fund it so they have enough money in that account, plus your payments until the sure next is. tax payment. And well, that's I love that a financial institution does it for me. I love that. Yeah, yeah. Sure. I mean, there's a certain convenience behind it. I like the convenience. So, um, Let's talk about...
1: The thing that I hate the most about your industry, you're in the mortgage industry, you're with BayerLoanSource.com. Closing costs. Why is the closing cost so complicated? And why is there a line item for... It's, again, it's like reading your cable bill. When you read your cable bill, you get become very, very angry with our government. It's like, there's too many... Like, I'm paying for internet accessed in the suburbs and you're like why
2: am i paying that and then you're also paying five dollars well, a month for local sports fees. a lot of people work backwards just like you look at the bottom line you're like oh why am i paying so much and then you start going into the itemizations and that's where you start going oh this is kind of boring and why there's so many yeah um it's full disclosure yeah i guess All so right. So you start there make sure yeah. like your home wasn't um, like you know Dodd Frank and Army Respa. And and, the you know, th- there's you know TILA, Truth in Lending, um, Integrated Act. Uh, these these are here to protect you. They, it's full disclosure. There's you know they, you they have, have the loan estimate, and then you have the close. You know the but so the closing costs are. But isn't the title industry kind of a racket? It is. Okay. It, it is. Um, sorry if you're in the in the business, but it's something. Yeah. You know, I, i'm I don't want to get into it I think I might be crossing some lines here but um, that's fair it's uh the title company is is one of the fees if you have any transaction you can have on a purchase you could have like 20 different entities that are involved up to, all right, that's not typical, but let's say, say 10, you know, your warranties, your inspections, and you have your interest, your escrows, your title company, your your appraiser, um, and then any inspections that you do, you might have a contractor involved, you have the seller, the buyer, the, the, the realtors, both sides. Um, then you have your loan guy, then you have a lender. Okay, and, and it just me. goes it's on explained. and on and on. Bit. Yeah. But those every one of those has a cost, and that's another line item. And some, I, yeah. I hate it. So. I hate it. The whole process infuriates me. Or you can me. just look at the bottom line, and, and, sometimes, and
1: sometimes that's why I want an attorney to sign legal paperwork for me, because so I don't have to see everything that I'm paying. You feel nickel and dime with closing statements.
2: Sure, get a power attorney. You can, you can have somebody else do it. <laughs> oh, it yeah. is kind of a boring topic. I, I, I'm, you know, bringing something up like closing costs. I think most people are like, well, "Oh, how, how do I reduce my closing costs?" Because um, you know they're going to be there. Last thought that I want to bring up because
1: we're wrapping up: What return should people expect on investment property? Should Ooh. they expect cash flow? Should they expect equity to grow? Should they expect? Wow. What would you look for? Let's say
2: let's use a big round number, like a five hundred thousand dollars house or a million dollar house. I would start looking at your rate of return on your investment, your ROI, um, and work backwards from there. This is how much I want to get on my rate of inv- my rate of return. And Chat, if you, if Chad you, and I see so many people that have a two million dollar house; that's renting for. a year. I'm like, that's not, you're getting 2%. Yeah, you're not getting, yeah, so you, so that's the other way to look at it. You have a ton of equity in your property and it's not, and you're only getting this much rate of return. But you, you really want to look at your initial investment to start and see what kind of rate of return. And if you get some equity out of it, great. I don't see a lot of investors that are buying investment properties hoping that their property value goes up so they can sell it and you know pay taxes on the money that they make. And they're usually doing it for a stream of income. So, you, you want to look for positive cash flow and then turn that into a rate of return and see how that works. That's where we were talking about Zillow, how you can make a comparison of rent, rented properties to buy properties and how much they rent for and figure out with your down payment, what your payment will be with the taxes and insurance and maybe factor in some maintenance. We've we've done some great spreadsheets that show people if this is this is what your rate of return is with this down payment, with this rate, with this purchase price, with you know, and, and it works. You need something like that if you're gonna go in and invest in in into investments. In investments in real estate, I know some people that own
1: raw property and I'm always like, Why? Why don't you put a house on it? Why don't you put a renter on it? Why do you put tents on it? Why don't you put like a commune on it? A hippie commune. I don't care. Why don't you grow weed? whatever there's no return on investment if you just own the raw land and i see a lot of people do it because and they'll say something like this well they're going to put a metro line in or bart line it'll go up or it'll uh, go up and down the road i'll develop it in 20 or 30 i'm like you're gonna hold it for 20 or 30 years and get nothing yeah and yet it's very very common you can find tony mendez he can help with all of this stuff at bayarealonesource.com that's (laughs) bayarealonesource.com excuse me i got tuberculosis you can find me, oh, it's the Black Log, actually. Don't worry about me. It's just the Black Log. You can find me at Rob Black, Show, Rob Black Show. You can find some downloadables at NewFocusFinancial.com. Again, Tony Mendez is my mortgage lender, a good friend of mine. He's known me a long time, so there's a lot of trust and relationship there.
0: You can find him at BayAreaLoanSource.com.